songs that he sings and the spirit in which he sings it far much more than his voice. Amen. Psalms chapter 16 and Isaiah chapter 64. We'll get into the message this morning. What a thought, you know. Ben mentioned it, and Tony mentioned it, and sang about it. You know, whatever you're fighting with with your spouse this morning, whatever, whatever disgruntled attitude you have about anything this morning, um, it would be it's it's high time to get that checked at the door, to realize the freedom that we have in this country and the freedom, even more so that we have in Christ. That we can be here and worship freely this morning. Because God could give us something to complain about in a real hurry, amen. But man, he's blessed us with so many things. Who are we to complain about things that we don't like, the little whatever? I didn't like my breakfast. I, I generally had a bad breakfast experience this morning. You know. Some people, that would ruin their whole day. Thank God I was able to have the opportunity to try a new place. Amen. I didn't expect to be spitting my ham out, though. Amen. After I had spent some time on my knees in prayer this week, and my heart was heavy for our church and our church people, I prayed for God for encouragement through the Word of God just in my own personal Bible study, and I came to Psalm 16 and... uh, this portion of scripture really blessed my heart in a time where I, I'm really, really thankful for it. Psalm 16, I'm, I'm just going to read the whole chapter. It's, it's, uh, it's only 11 verses. It says, this is David talking. He says, Preserve me, O God, for in thee do I put my trust. O my soul, thou, thou hast said in the Lord, Thou art my Lord, my goodness extendeth not to thee, but to the saints that are in the earth, to the excellent in whom is all my delight. Their sorrows shall be multiplied that hasten after another God. Their drink offerings of blood will I not offer, nor take up their names into my lips. The Lord is the portion of mine inheritance and of my cup. Thou, thou maintainest my lot. The lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places. Yea, I have a good, goodly heritage. I will bless the Lord who hath given me counsel. My reins also instruct me in the night seasons. I have set the Lord... Always before me, because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Therefore my heart is glad, and my glory rejoiceth. My flesh shall uh, rest in hope. Thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Thou wilt show me the path of life, and thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Brother Shine, would you open in a word of prayer, please? first verse in Psalm 16, that is a plea to God in a statement of faith and worship. It's easy to read past that and not think, but if, boy, if we dwell on it and we meditate on the word, it changes when it comes to life. Amen. David said, preserve me, O God, for in thee do I put my trust. You know what we as people do? We diminish words. We just do. 
<clears throat> and I'm j- j- very guilty. Uh, I can say, Rachel, I love you. And then when church is over on Sunday night, I can say, Melted Velveeta Cheese and Rotel, I love you. I love breakfast. I love smoked food. And then in the same paragraph, say, Rachel, I love you. Well, we diminish words. We use it too much. And, and mostly it's because we have a horrible vocabulary. Our vocab is so limited. That's why we can't hardly read, you know, uh, 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 the eighth grade level text from, you know, uh, 400 years ago. You know, right? But you can look at a sunset or a sunrise and say, that is awesome. A baby being born, that is awesome. A bride coming through the back doors of the church and, and her wedding gown, you can say, that is just awesome. Look at how God created creation and the, the depth of the eyeball and, and how, how the, literally the miracle of a baby, right? The, God put that beating heart in there. That is awesome. But in the same breath, we'll play a video game with Wyatt and say, oh, that was an awesome move, Right? Oh, that meal was awesome. Yeah, that guy's awesome. He just gave me a discount on tires. We diminish words. That's what we do. We're good at it. We could say, I trust in God. Well, the problem is we say it all the time. In fact, it's on our money. Because in God we trust. We're just kind of flipping it. But yeah, yeah, we trust in God. We trust in God. Or we'll say, yeah, yeah, I prayed about it. It is my experience that when people say they prayed about it, it was like they might have spent about eight seconds on it, maybe 20. They didn't, they didn't clear out a place by their bed so they have room to get on their knees and pray before an almighty God with tears praying for people in another country or praying for God to move in the lives of the, the, the people in the church or your family or whatever is going on that they, God would move in their hearts with a heartfelt tears. We just say, yeah, we trust in God. I prayed, I prayed, prayed for you. We say things flippantly, and it diminishes what we say because we just say it all the time. Point number one, looking to Jesus. I have an unsaved uncle that, um, referring to um, gay folks, homosexuals, he said, he said, as long as they stay away from me, leave me alone, I'll leave them alone, Right? And I understand that he has a right to say that, and I trust me, I get where he's coming from. But I know another guy that said to me one time, and, and he went through some hard things in his life, and we talked for a long time, and he said he just wants to move up north away from everybody, to not live with nobody, not deal with nobody, have no friends, no family, wants nobody, just wants to live on his own to himself secluded. And I understand that, and he has a right to that. The problem is, that is not a biblical view of how we ought to be looking at life. Essentially, what these men are saying is to hell with the world. Let them go to hell in a handbasket. As long as they're not bothering me, I just want to live my life and enjoy myself. I don't care about the lost soul of anybody else. I don't care about being a testimony for the cause of Christ for anybody else. I don't care about witnessing or giving the gospel to anybody. I don't care about them. I just want to please myself because I don't want to deal with the stress. And by the way, if you want no stress in your life, do nothing for the cause of Christ. 
Man, it'd be stress-free. I promise you. I promise you. You cut down on a lot of stress. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. What's passed away? Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. I understand that, that where a lost man could say those things, but for a saved person to say, to say, to hell with the world, shame on you. Do I understand it? Yes. Yeah, things get stressful sometimes. When you accept Christ as your Savior, I'm telling you, you become a new person. You're not the person you used to be. God has now given you a capacity for understanding that you didn't have before. God has given you discernment that before was non-existent. We are now new creatures in Christ, filled with the Holy Ghost, filled with the Holy Spirit, which is our earnest, amen. It's our proof of purchase that seals us unto the day of redemption. Jesus himself said, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. I can understand for the lost man to say, as long as they leave me alone, I just want to live to myself. I just want to be my, myself secluded from everybody and anybody, and I have to deal with nobody. Do you understand? That is the flesh talking. That is not the renewed man in you. The closer you draw to Christ, the more it ought to be. You know what? I want to go to the house of God. I want to have fellowship with God's people. I want to be a blessing to somebody today. But the problem is we're so lackadaisical in our fervency towards Christ. It's like, eh, it's easier to watch online. Let's do that. You know what? The pastor's visiting, folks. I don't need to. The pastor's family can do that. I don't need to. Somebody else is doing it. I don't need to go. As a born-again believer in Christ, our treasure should be Christ Jesus. Our treasure is the good news. It's the, it's the gospel message. And if Christ is our glory... Think this through. If Christ is our glory, if Christ is our hope, if Christ is our salvation, if Christ is our treasure, then as new creatures, what? We should have a built-in desire to share that with the lost world. That means more than just going to church. That should be the least of the thing a Christian does, is be faithful to the house of God. Nowadays, that's like pulling teeth. And shame on the Christian that says... Let them go to hell in a handbasket. I just want to live my life because I deserve it. That is not a biblical response and that is not God honoring. We turn to Mark chapter 16, verse 15. Mark 16, 15. Point number one this morning is looking to Jesus. You say, Pastor Gunther, that's real basic. Amen. We need more basic preaching. I don't know if it's a true story or not. It might be, it may not be. It might have been just an illustration. I don't know, but a, a preacher was preaching John 3.16 and he kept preaching it and preaching it. And weeks went by. One of the congregation members went to the preacher and said, Pastor, you've been preaching John 3.16 for this many weeks now. Like, are you ever going to move on to something else? The pastor said, when you get John 3.16, we'll move on to something else. 
Mark 16, 15 says, And he said to them, Jesus, Jesus speaking, he said, Go ye into the other world and preach the gospel to every creature. You can't do that at home. You can't do that and not be plugged into a local church. You can't do that and not be plugged in and have some fervency for the cause of Christ. You can't do that and never read your Bible and pray. The very first verse of Psalm chapter 16 is David looking to Jesus and acknowledging him in faith and worship. It's a declaration of faith. He said, preserve me, O God, for in thee do I put my trust. You guys realize that the Great Commission can only be accomplished through putting our trust in Jesus Christ and not self? Psalms 3, 5, trust the Lord with all thine heart and not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths, be not wise in thine own eyes, and fear, uh, uh, fear the Lord and depart from evil. So back to our text. Our first verse is addressed to God as the second verse is addressed to his own soul. Number one, looking to Jesus. Number two, a reminder to self, <clears throat> which we've all done this. Who hasn't done this? You know, um, there was a girl country song years ago that did that, and I can't think of what it is. It's probably good that it's not coming to mind right now. She talked to herself in a country song. Uh, I remember... I'd be working on a job, and I'd be doing, telling myself, get your act together, Gunther. Quit being lazy. Who cares if you're tired? Who cares if you're hurting? Who cares if you're cramping? You're doing this for your family. Telling yourself, hey, uh, this has to be done. Telling yourself, uh, there, there, there's, a, there's a greater reason than yourself. Every time I spend time doing anything for the cause of Christ, and it takes me away from my family, which is almost every single day of my life, I'm often telling myself, it's for the cause of Christ, it's for the cause of Christ, it's for the cause of Christ. David, it starts uh, directing his attention to himself. Verse 2, he says, Oh my soul, thou hast sent in the Lord, thou art, my, thou art my Lord, my goodness extendeth not to thee. It's an old time way of saying that what little goodness that I have is unworthy to give you. If you're there, Isaiah 64, 6, I don't know if we turned away from there, but Isaiah 64, 6. Give everybody a moment. I'm trying to do better at that. Isaiah chapter 64, 6. It says, but we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. You know, in Psalm 16, that's not the only time that David talks to himself. We've seen this before in written form. Jump over to Psalms 43, verse 5. Psalms 43, verse 5. We find David talking to himself once again the same mindset he's encouraging himself in the lord he says why art thou cast down O my soul and why art thou disquieted within me hope in god for i shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my god and when we get down and things aren't going our way we ought to be able to look at ourselves and say hey uh, uh gunther get your act together our hope is in the lord not in your circumstance well what happens we focus on our circumstance and just Everything breaks loose because we can't, it just, we, it, everything just goes to pot. 
because we can't handle the situation because we're not controlling it. Just give it to the Lord. I promise it'll change every situation in your life and every valley that you're going through. Just give it to the Lord instead of reacting first. That's where really the root of the problems come is when we react without giving it to the Lord. David's reminding himself where his focus should be and where it needs to be, where it must be. If your focus isn't on the Lord, life is just not worth living. You're going, to live a, you're going to come in every Sunday to the church house and every Wednesday and every Sunday night and every time the Sunday, you're going to be, good morning. Yeah, my life's so hard. It's so hard to be me. You don't understand. I'm the victim. We're going to walk into church and we're going to be that Debbie Downer and we should be the one that's encouraging everybody else because we have something to shout about and they don't. David's reminding himself is where his focus should be. We could remind ourselves where our focus should be, where our treasure should be. Say, Pastor Gunther, you're not perfect. I know. And I got to remind myself all the time, like every day, <laughs> where my focus is, where my treasure is. You think of how unloving the man is that the husband that never tells his wife he loves her. You know, have the attitude, and Ms. Chichi's husband had this attitude. He was an awful man. People don't even know a third of the stories. But he was an awful man to her. Did a lot of bad things. But his, his attitude was, I told you I loved you when we got married. If it ever changes, I'll tell you again. I'll let you know if it ever changes. How miserable that is. How awful that is. <clears throat> Let's apply that. How awful would it be if... You had an appointed time every Friday night because you had a date with your wife. Okay, here's the date. I'm going to spend 40 minutes with you. I'm going to tell you every Friday night I love you. Yeah, I know. I, I told you I love you. Right, so spend the rest of the week giving your life for me. But yet we do that every Sunday with the Lord. Lord, I told you I loved you. I gave you my time. What else do you want? How unloving is that? But yet we do that. We see it. Christians act it. Christians live it. Can I tell you, that'd be a symptom of a pathetic relationship. A prideful relationship. I'm no marriage counselor, but I can say this with um, boldness. A healthy relationship is in constant communication. You know when problems arise? There's a break in the communication. As in 100% honest and transparent 100% of the time, looking for ways to make the other one happy. I think Rachel's winning that one lately. I think she's done way more for me than I've done for her. And I'm okay with that. <laughs> but looking for ways to meet each other's needs as opposed to what they're going to do for me. There's a girl, an HR girl at work that got married recently and got divorced within six months, I think. They both had the mindset, we're going to get married and they're just going to work, do for me and meet all of my needs as opposed to the other way around, being a blessing to each other, not looking for ways to be a blessing. Not looking for opportunities to constantly show your love, say I love you. Charity, what's charity? Love in action. Showing, opening the door, 
washing the dishes every now and then. Thank the Lord the kids are older. They're doing all that. Man, I'm reminiscing to when they were gone for a week. I had to do all of that. It's been a while. Amen. But also constantly telling yourself, reminding yourself, you don't deserve her. See, what our human nature does and our pride does is, you know, she doesn't deserve me, mindset. I deserve this, me, me, me. That's what our pride does, right? That's what sin does. But so is the same with our relationship towards Christ, and that's where I'm going with this. Healthy relationship would be in constant communication. Hey, pray without ceasing. Read and study. Find out what he has to say and what he wants to tell you. Listen to him through his word. You know, being 100% and honest and transparent, you say, how do you do that with the Lord? Being honest with yourself. Quit telling yourself how great of a Christian you are because you showed up for church that one time. Because you gave an offering that one time. But if you were honest with yourself, you'd be looking in the mirror saying, wow, I am awful. Wow. I'm the pastor of the church. If they realized how sinful I was, they would not let me be the pastor. They realized how much of a glutton I would be if I was allowed to be and just eat food. They would not let me be pastor. If they realized the thought that's the thoughts that went in the pastor's brain, they would say, "Well, he's not worthy of being pastor." And I'm telling you, I am nothing. I'm a sinful man. I am unworthy to be anything, let alone go to heaven for eternity. So is any of us that are saved. Amen. Healthy relationship with the Lord. Always looking for ways to please God. Are we doing that? Are we doing that or are we not? I feel like by and large, Christians don't do that. At this point in time, our church has more people that are wanting to serve and serve together than, than any time that I've seen in the recent past. And I thank God for that. And I'm encouraged looking forward. But by and large, Christians, are not look, they're not looking for ways to please God. They're looking for God to please them all the time. How about constantly saying, I love you to the Lord? How about constantly looking in the mirror and telling yourself, I'm not, I don't deserve to have such a wonderful God. We get an understanding of that then it's going to be real hard for me to be mad at Tony today. (laughs) It's going to be real hard when I understand how wicked I am. Amen. Number one, looking to Jesus. Number two, a reminder to self. Number three, a warning to saints. He directs his attention to the saints in verse three. In our text it says, Psalm 16 verse three says, But to the saints that are in the earth and to the excellent in whom is all my delight. David is saying, I love you, brethren and sisters in Christ, but take this warning if you're going to backslide. Verse 4, he says, Their sorrows shall be multiplied, that hasten after another God. The drink offerings of blood will uh, I not offer nor take up their names into my lips. David's telling the saints that your life is going to be miserable if you give credence to any other God. And by the way, there's more gods than Buddha and Baal. There's the love of money. You know, people say that money's root of all evil. It's the love of money. Money's not evil. Money's a blessing. Keep giving it. Amen. 
We'll build another place scape or something. No. Barbecue grill. Amen. Love of money. I think the biggest biggest sin issue that, that we see in mankind is pride. That's my personal opinion. Our feelings or our ego is more important than doing what's right in the eyes of God. Which ties right into King Me First, God, little G. David began this passage with looking to God in Psalms chapter 16, verse 1. It was looking to God. Verse 2, he was looking to self. Verse 3, he's now given a warning to his fellow brothers and sisters. But, but it could also be labeled this. I could have I changed the points to this. Point number one, praising God. Point number two, praising God. I could have made point number three, capital P, praising God. And they all would have fit just fine. And David goes on to praise God for the rest of the chapter. Verse 5, he, re, he says, The Lord is the portion of mine inheritance and uh, of my cup. Thou maintainest my lot. The lines are falling unto me in uh, pleasant places. Jay, I have a goodly heritage. He's, what he's saying is, I am blessed with the bounds that God has given me. Where the lines have fallen, God has blessed me. I have a goodly heritage. I thank God for what he's given me. Verse 7, he said, I will bless the Lord who hath given me counsel. My reins also instruct me in the night. What's he saying? In the dark valley, hey, the, the counsel of the Lord has reigned him and guided him. When we go through a hard time, what's our response? Anything but the Word of God. The, 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 the Sunday school message this morning was the root of evolution. What's the, what's the root of that? It's sin. It's an antichrist mentality. The root of our rebellion is to be anything about what the Word of God says. So it's the last place that we as people want to look. David's praising God even through the dark time in his life when he can't see where he's going, that the reins of God, God's Word, keep him going in the right direction. I can say assuredly that there's been times in my life where I did not know what God was doing why he was doing what Tony because it made no sense. Why would God allow that to happen? I'm doing everything I possibly can every waking moment for him. And then, then every appliance is going to go. Both cars, trains are going to go. I, I literally can't do any more in my mind for Christ. He's saying, son, you can do a lot more. But what do we do when everything falls apart? Well, if we go to God, our lives would be so much more peaceful. Verse 8, he says, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoiceth. My flesh also shall rest in hope. For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Turn to Acts chapter 2, verse 25. Two more scriptures and we'll close. Acts chapter 2.25. The word hell here is translated from the Hebrew word sheol. It doesn't mean lake of fire. It doesn't mean a place of torment. It's talking about death in the grave. It's talking about death in the grave. Notice he says, Neither without thou suffer thine, look at that, capital H, holy, capital O, one, 
suffer thine holy one to see corruption. You realize that David is referencing Jesus being in hell as in being in the grave. Jesus was in the grave and was resurrected. And David is acknowledging that like Jesus, he too will be resurrected one day from the grave. And you say, Pastor Gunther, you cannot say that David was referencing the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I can tell you that I can say that beyond the shadow of a doubt by comparing Scripture with Scripture. Look at Acts chapter 2, verse 25. Here's Peter on the day of Pentecost. Man, it's like talking about an iconic message, man. He's preaching. And if, if there is a time in history to be there, what a, what a, a mind-blowing time. The Spirit of God's moving upon the people are, are speaking in different tongues. And, and, and there's going to be miracles upon miracles that are going to be happening in the next uh, days and months and years to come. And it starts right here on the day of Pentecost, man. It, what a blessing. And David's preaching to all the people. And he says, for David, in this right in the middle of his preaching, he says, for David speaketh concerning him. I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand, that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice, and my tongue was glad. Moreover, also my flesh shall rest in hope, because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. You could read before in the verse and later in the verse, Peter was talking about Jesus, talking about how David was talking about Jesus. David worshipped and put his trust in the coming one, the Son of God. David worshipped by reminding himself that the righteousness of the coming Christ far outweighed his own righteousness. David worshipped by warning the other saints of God about the consequences of backsliding. David worshipped by telling others about the coming Christ that wasn't going to stay in the grave but would be resurrected to prove that he was who he said he was. Turn to Revelations 12, 12 and we'll close with this verse. As you're turning there, can I ask you, Christian, what are you doing with your time? I said in Sunday school, I started out by saying in Sunday school, we got 24 hours a day. We all have the same amount of time. 365 days a year, seven days a week. I shouldn't do that because then I have to use my brain for a moment and it hurts. But we all have the same amount of time. What are we going to do with it? We're the born again believer. We ought not spend all of our time on ourselves, but what do we do? If we, you know what people do on a diet? That's what people do. That's what they tell you you should do. And I do not want to do it right now because it's not going to be pretty. Breakfast. Atkins shake. Three bagels. Snack. Peanuts. Sally's leftover pizza from the fridge at work. Lunch. Thai, thai fried rice with bubble tea dessert. And you look back and you realize how bad you ate. You don't want to do that, do we, Jimmy? It would not be pretty. All right. Just go daily. Woke up. Didn't think about the Lord. Hour two. 
spent 12 seconds praying over breakfast in a hurried fashion. Came lunchtime, spent no time with the Lord, spent time listening to stories at work I shouldn't have even been listening to. Come five o'clock, home from work, I've done nothing for Christ today. Dinner time, didn't teach my children anything about the Word of God, did nothing for the cause of Christ, didn't study, didn't read my Bible, didn't do anything, I didn't tell the gospel to anybody. Bedtime, spent 20 seconds in prayer, thanking God for his blessings on me, even though I did nothing for the cause of Christ. When I go to church on Sunday, I'll do the obligatory thing and tell him that I love him, and then he'll bless me the next week, all the same, repeat. I'm not even exaggerating. Are we worshiping Christ like David and worshiping him, man? Telling ourselves, hey, praise the Lord. Brothers and sisters of Christ, you better praise the Lord. You better, you better be firm for the cause of Christ because backsliding is not a good way to go. There's a whole lot of symptoms of consequences that you're going to have to live. Are we praising Christ with our time or are we praising Christ with ourself? Revelation chapter 12, verse 12. Therefore rejoice ye heavens and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the seal for the devil has come down to you. Look at this. Having great wrath because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. Satan knows he don't have much. He has, only has a short time. But we think we got all the time in the world. Therefore let's just eat, drink and be merry. Somebody else can serve God. The preacher can tell folks about Christ. I'll just be a member. I won't have to do nothing. We forget that life is but a vapor and we don't have much time. Somebody else can tell my family about the Lord. They can just watch how I live for Christ and that will be enough of a testimony. Really? If that's what we think, then we're in a sad, sad place as Christians. Sad, sad place. Let's close in a word of prayer.